Well, it was good to see a little sunshine today. I see some red faces out there. Um, hopefully people got to get out and enjoy the weather and not the rain and the cold and the blowing that we've had lately. Um, so we're going to be entering into today into the section of Mark where we hit the Last Supper. Okay, so where Jesus takes his disciples and he walks them through a new practice. Okay, the, the, the new covenant that he is providing for them. And so before we jump into the text, I, I want to remind us of two things. Number one, we're getting near the time when Jesus is ending his ministry on earth. So whenever, you know, I think us parents can understand this, you know, when you have your kids that are going to go to college or something that, you know, you're going to have a long time between when you're going to see somebody, your level of communication, your level of uh, urgency heightens, right? So what you say in those last months, even though they're really not more important than when they were a little kid, but you realize, oh, they're going to be gone here pretty quick. So I've got I've to get what I need to say. Because the thing about this is, is, you know, you read through this. This is the last time that Jesus actually spoke to this group of disciples as a whole, before he died. Because after this, they go to the Mount of Olives, Gethsemane. He gets arrested. He goes and goes on trial. He goes to the cross. He dies. He rises. But he doesn't talk to them again as a whole on this side of, of the cross. So this is pretty important. Okay? So we're entering pretty important territory for that. Number two is I always look at this as when I, when I read the Bible is how do I read this with fresh eyes? Because we know the story. We know how this all turns out. We've seen the other side of this. And sometimes I think we think the disciples are these holier than thou. They have it all put together. They know everything. Um, but we got to understand they're encountering this for the first time. And so when I, what we're going to do today is we're going to encounter this much more from the disciples' perspective. And what they must be thinking what they must be processing, what they must be going through as they encounter this Last Supper. Because again, we have this eyes of we've read the rest of the book. We know what happens. They have no idea what hangs in the balance at this given moment. So as we read this, I want us to look at it with those eyes. Okay? It's the last thing that Christ is going to say before he leaves and he goes to the cross to this group of people that he's been shepherding for three years. And this is the first time the disciples are encountering this. So, fresh eyes. So open up your Bible with me to Mark 14. So Mark 14, and we're going to start at verse 12. We're going to read 12 through 16. We're going to skip over a few passages and jump into 22 then, and finish uh, through 26. Okay, so I will read this for us. Starting in verse 12. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it's customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a, jug of, a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. 
The disciples left, went to the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Now jump with me down to verse 22. Okay, we're going to skip over the Jews part because that's a whole other sermon in itself. Jump down to 22. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, take it. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. All right, go to the next, next slide. So a little bit of just Bible 101. I don't want to like, think that every one of us knows exactly what's happening here. So just real briefly. Okay, so the Passover meal had been happening for centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years, because it started back in Moses, when Moses was trying to free the Israelites from Egypt, there was a number of curses that he did, a number of plagues that happened, and the final one was what was ended up being called the Passover. And what this was is that the Lord was going to send an angel down, and there was going to be death no matter who the people were, there was going to be death. Is that death was going to be a firstborn? Or the death was going to be a lamb that was slain, of which the blood would be spattered across the entry of your doorway. And if there was blood splattered across your entry doorway, the, the angel would pass over, pass over. And because of that, finally, Pharaoh said, be gone with you. Like, I am done with you. Leave, leave. So the Israelites gained their, Israelites gained their freedom through the Passover. So since that time... Everybody who was a Jew who we're talking to here celebrated the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, okay? So all the disciples were preparing for this traditional Passover that they had done for centuries. And there were four parts of that Passover, okay? Four parts. Number one is there's four cups, which were the four promises of God uh, in Exodus 6, 6, and 7. Number one was the rescue from Egypt, freedom from slavery, Redemption by God's divine power and the renewed relationship with God. So when this happens, okay, so when, when Jesus gets up and he breaks the bread and he says, take it, this is my body, this is the wine, um, this is my blood, this is in, at step three. So he's already talked about the rescue from Egypt. He's talked about freedom from slavery, but now he deviates. Now he goes to, instead of the redemption of God's divine power, he changes it, okay? So I want us in our groups. Go, so find groups. We're going to do this three times. So find a, find a couple of people to talk with. Um, you know, if you're really an introvert, you can talk in your head. That's fine too. Or you can talk out loud to yourself. Either one will work. I don't care what you do. But I want, to, want you to go through this question. Slide, please. Okay, what do you do when something you behold changes? Something you really hold dear. Again, this is centuries of tradition that they're celebrating, all of a sudden Jesus goes a different direction, okay? Talk about your group. What do you do when something you behold changes? All right. A few answers from the crowd, if you can. What do you guys do when something you really cherish, something you behold, what do you do when that changes? Let's go over here first. Anyone on this side? Okay. 
to share with the group. Yeah, Joe. Uh, feel really insecure. Feel really insecure, right? Take it personally. Comes against here. Something has changed. Yeah, what, what am I supposed to do with this? Exactly. What am I supposed to do? Like, you don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, if this was comforting. I felt secure in this. I knew exactly what was coming. And all of a sudden, boom, different. Very good. Insecure. Anything else in here? This section. Yes, trust. Trust in who's leading that. And we got to remember, Jesus was the one that was presiding over this. So he was the one that was leading it. And again, there's always a presider over this, this whole feast. And so do I trust this person and where they're going to take me to? Because this is different. We're going someplace different. Trust in who's actually leading that. Good. Anywhere in this section? Heighten awareness. Right. So like, you know, for example, if, if all of a sudden, you know, we have the band sitting in the back over here, everyone would notice, right? That the band, even though they're playing the same song, they're doing the same thing, all of a sudden they notice. It, when something deviates, all of a sudden you notice something. It changes. It, your, your shift of where you're focusing. That's great. Over here, anything over here? Why? Exactly. Why? Why is this changing? We've been celebrating the Passover for how many centuries, hundreds, hundreds of years, and all of a sudden, boom, it shifts. Uh, go to the next slide. So for me, as I've been thinking about this, this is traditions versus something new. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a 42-year-old tulip time junkie, all right? So I don't know, there's a couple. I see Paul smiling over there because he's a fellow tulip time junkie with me. And there's certain traditions that I have at tulip time. Right? I know which poverty stand I'm going to hit at what time, which food I'm going to hit, when this parade happens, who I'm going to sit with. I think some of us even have exactly where we're going to sit. We know where that, who's going to sit by us, where we're going to sit. We know, like, again, you have like the whole week. I see, I see the Gulkies over here, you know, the Dutch family singers. We've got a way that we're going to do this. And if Brent all of a sudden says, we're not going to sing Long Zongs Eleven at this given moment, like, what are you doing, Brent? Why are we not singing Long Zongs Eleven now, right? So there's these traditions that we have. And what Christ is saying here and what he's offering here is he's saying it's not that tra the tradition is bad. In fact, it's really good to celebrate the Passover. I am not changing everything wholeheartedly. I'm not ripping it all out and starting something new. But there is a new covenant which is coming. And that which we did this for, why were we doing this? What was the point of Passover? And for some of us, traditions become something that we just do and we forget the why. Why are we actually doing this? And so what Christ is saying, again, the four things, rescued from Egypt, freedom from slavery, all true. But now instead of redemption by God's divine power, Jesus is saying, I am bringing something new. And now there's going to be freedom for everyone through my body and my blood for a relationship with God. He is bringing, some, bringing it to something new. And so a question that I want to ask you all, and this is an internal question I want you to wrestle through. Next slide. Where's your heart? So as you enter today, as you walked in this room, where is your heart at? What's your motivations right now? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you living the way that you're living? Are you going through the motions? Are you going through the tradition 
Are you going through, well, this is what I'm supposed to do, or this is the, what I think I'm supposed to do, or are you saying, what, do I, what does God desire, and, and what do I desire to be within him? Where's your heart? Okay, where's your heart? If you haven't figured out, I'm, I'm, if you've read through the Bible, Jesus doesn't always answer a lot of questions. He asks a lot of questions. So we're going to ask a lot of questions today. And I don't know if I'm actually going to get to any answers, but hopefully the Lord through the Holy Spirit gets you some answers. Second thing I want us to point out in this language or in this, this passage. So in verse 22, there's this, this message. Jesus, he says to them, he breaks the bread, he gives thanks, and he says, take it, this is my body. Take it. Take it is an action word. Now, did Jesus give him a whole lot of explanation? Did he say, this is why I'm doing it? This, did he give you? No, he didn't. So question, I want you to just talk in your groups again. Next question um, on that slide. What do you do when you need to act, but you don't understand why? Jesus didn't give them the whole why yet. And they didn't even know for a while. But what do you do when you know and you trust that this is supposed to happen? Because here's the thing. Like I go back to the earlier passage where it talked about, because I was beginning, why did Jesus send these disciples ahead of time and he gave them all these instructions about this man with a jar of water? And like, what's the significance of this? And what I landed on as I was reflecting on this was Jesus was saying, hey, listen, I know exactly what I'm doing. So much so that I'm going to tell you about this guy that I, you haven't met, but you're going to meet him and he's going to leave you in a room and you're going to ask this question and then it's going to be all exactly as I told you. So don't think what I'm going to do next is anywhere different than that. I know exactly what I'm doing. So what do you do when you have to act, but you don't understand why? Talk amongst your group. All right, so what do you have to... What do you do when you have to act, but you don't understand why? So as I've been wrestling with this one all week, in the weeks preparing for this, um, the Lord really brought some things forward to me. And, and go to the next slide. And really there's this fight between knowledge and obedience. Because I want to know. Like, I want to know well, where, why are we doing this? And where are we going to go? And can you just give me the steps so I can see it? And if I could do that, well, then of course I would follow you. But like, I don't just want to do it. And, and so some of us, if you take this completely out of context, okay, if you take this completely out of context where Jesus says, take it, you would think, well, that's really unreasonable. They're here today to like celebrate the Passover. And then all of a sudden he's just telling you, hey, I'm not even going to explain to you why. Just take this bread, take this cup, be good with it. I'm, I'm Jesus, you should know, right? But here's the thing. In Jesus' love, he never speaks out of context for us. And for some of us today, we sometimes take our life out of context. Something happens and we lose track of what's actually happening and we take it out of context. Because here's the thing, when we reflect and we sit and we look back and we remember what Christ has done in our lives, if we truly sit in that, we realize there has been steps all along the way. There's been breadcrumbs that he's been laying for you all the way along to this. So when he says to you, take it, there's already a history that he's drawing upon. 
He's already given you knowledge. Yes, he's asking you for that faith that maybe he's not giving you everything, but he's given you enough to say, I am asking you to continue to follow me because every single one of these disciples at that point had spent three plus years with him. They had walked the road with him. They had seen, I mean, just that week, they had seen Lazarus rise from the grave. So when he's saying, take it, there isn't completely no knowledge. They might not have the whole picture, which all of us will never understand the whole picture until we're on this side of eternity. None of us will understand exactly so this week in my family, we're going to be burying an aunt, a very dear aunt. My wife's uh, aunt that she grew up with. My wife was, uh, she had three sisters, but they were 13, 11 years older than her. So she was kind of an only child. And this was an aunt who never could have kids because of her health conditions with diabetes. And so her and her aunt were pretty close. And she passed away this, this week. And so you start asking those questions. Well, why? Why? Why does there have to be death? Why does there have to be separation? Why does she have diabetes by the time she was 15 years old and have all these health issues for all this time? Like, why? 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 But here's the thing is God is not saying to us, I'm never going to reveal that, but I'm giving you enough to be able to grasp onto something. So when I'm telling you to move forward, to do it. And some of us get hung up on the knowledge that we want to know all the answers. And the only, I've said this myself, well, if God would just give me a sign, I would do it. If he just did what he did back here, you know, some of these things, well, of course I would follow. And my question is, isn't he doing it all the time around us already? But we just blow by it and miss it? So the question I want us to ask on this one, next slide, Preston, is, Where's your humility? Because if I've been wrestling with this, I realize there's a whole lot of pride that I'm the one that needs to know certain things. I'm the one that has to have the knowledge. I'm the one that needs this in order for me to move forward. And in the day, it's not about me. It's not about my needs. So where is your humility right now? Where are you at in this walk with your humility? So number three, I want to move on to the third point of this is, um, so at the end of this passage, Jesus talks about uh, in verse 25, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. That is something in the distance. That is not right now. That is something that Jesus is pointing to in the future, Okay. So the question I want you to talk with amongst your groups, go to the next question. What do you do when you have to wait? When what you are desiring, because remember, all the disciples at this point still thought Jesus was coming to bring the kingdom right now. That he was going to come and free them from the Romans and proclaim heaven on earth now. That wasn't what Jesus was saying. So what do you do when you have to wait? Talk amongst your groups. All right, let's wrap that one up. Let's go with two comments on this one. One from this side of the room, one from that side of the room. What do you have to do when you guys have to wait? What do we got on this side? Trust in the Lord. What happens in your spirit, though, when you're in the waiting? Anxiousness. Things that stir inside of you, right? Sometimes all of us are handled that a little differently, but there's, there's this stress, right? of the being in the waiting, right? 
Over here, what about on this side? What do you do when you have to wait? What's that? Pull up my phone. Get distracted. Do anything to not have to wait, right? So true. How many of us right now, we're sitting there for one minute waiting for someone to, you know, answer a question. You're sitting in the doctor's office. You're sitting waiting for the groceries to get checked out. And you're like, pull up my phone, scroll numbingly through there to try to figure something out, right? We want to be distracted because we don't like to be in the waiting, right? Go to the next slide. Because we want to be instant. Now, 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 right? We don't like to wait. We don't like to be in this, this place where we're feeling like, oh, I need something, but I got to wait. But here's what I want us to go back to is this instant versus this perseverance. So that's, that's I think, the horseshoe that's in the Grand Canyon. That's the horseshoe bend picture there. And that took, I don't know how many years, debate for sure. But it took a long, long time to create that beauty because very few things are beautiful in an instant. If someone can tell me one thing that's like super beautiful in an instant, like come talk to me afterwards. But like just like that, very rarely. It takes time, takes perseverance for you to continue to be where God wants you to be. And so the question I want you to ask yourself right now is who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Who does God say you are? Who do you say you are in Christ? And are you becoming that person? And where I want to hit on this is what's the trajectory you're heading right now? It doesn't so matter much where you are, but it's the trajectory. Because you could be sitting in a really good spot and, you know, I'm, I'm let's just take me, I'm an elder, uh, you know, I, I, I preach, I do a teaching team, I'm leading things. But if I'm making daily decisions right now that are leading me down the, the bad path, even though I'm still sitting here, pretty soon that all change, vice versa. I could be broke, no job, struggling, but if I am daily living with Christ in my daily bread and my daily decisions are putting me more towards Christ in time, which we all are going to be on this continuum, who's actually becoming more like Christ? So it's not so much about where you are now, but where are you going? Who are you becoming? So all these three things, trust in a new covenant, a new way, obedience, persevering to become who Jesus says you are, they require one thing. Go to that next slide. They require faith. Faith in what Jesus had. Faith in the cross. Faith that he did come. He did come for you. For you. To die on that cross to bear your sin, to rise again. And as you've been working through those questions that I've been asking about where your heart is, where your humility is, who are you becoming? What binds all of it together is a faith, a faith in a Christ that loves you by name, that 
The very hairs on your head, he knew. Do you trust that? Do you trust the new covenant that he's giving you? As he's bringing you towards this feast, as he's bringing you towards this supper with him, who does he invite? Who do you invite if you're going to eat a meal? Friends, family. And Christ in his love today is offering you an invitation to come and partake in his body, in his blood, to be washed new. He did it thousands of years ago and he does it today. This isn't something that just stopped. He does it ongoing. Because eventually, go to the next slide, there will be, no, the one, there's one before that. Eventually, there will be a feast that will be beyond compare, that all of us are heading to, all of us are walking to. He is preparing a place for each one of us, a magnificent, a beautiful feast because of what he's done. And all we have to do is today is to say, you know what, I trust what I've seen in my own life, but more so I trust in what Christ has done and where he's going and who he's creating me to be. And someday I will sit at that table and I will have a magnificent feast with my brothers and my sisters and my family and with Jesus in an eternal heaven, an eternal heaven. So as I, I finish, I invite the worship team up. Um, as I think most of you know, um, I, I work in Haiti. And, um, you know, we, there's glimpses of this where you see things and you're just like, ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. Because it's incredibly hard to work in a place like Haiti. Um, you know, again, if we think inflation's bad, I can tell you right now, inflation in Haiti is 41% right now. To an already people where their president was assassinated, the government's defunct, they, they're an island that has to depend upon shipping. How, how is, how's logistics going right now, country worldwide? How do you think that's going for an island country? That's not super healthy, okay? So incredible, incredible, incredible adversity. But through that, God is faithful. And I wanna show you, I wanna finish with a story. So we're opening up a new community. Think like a new church plant. We're putting in a new center into this community called Jean Boulet. And so because of that, we meet new people. And one of our uh, assistants, who she cooks the food, that kind of stuff, her, her husband's a, a pastor in the community. And that's how we got to know them. And, and we thought their whole family was, was followers, but we learned later they weren't. Um, but anyway, the, her father was really, really, really sick, really sick. And so we kept asking, can we go pray for you? Can we pray for your father um, and be able to go into your home? And they kept saying, no, it's just not the right time. He's really, really sick and he's not even responsive. So it'd be a waste of time. But we kept pushing, we kept pressing, we kept persevering to ask that question. Okay. And so we show up to the house one day and all of a sudden he's responsive. Like this guy is actually talking. His name was Olamek, okay? So Olamek was actually talking back to us. And one of our, our pastors, our chaplains, we call them spiritual shepherds, was with us and he was hanging in the back. And we're like, why are you hanging in the back? We couldn't figure out because normally he's taking the lead to have these conversations. And what we found out was, is Olamek was not a follower of Christ, okay? He, he said in what he was through, very weak voice, he said, I heard 
an evangelist on the radio many, 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 many years ago share about Jesus. I want that Jesus in my life. Can, can we accept, can you guys walk me through what accepting Jesus looks like? And so we looked at Pastor Luminous, who used this, and Pastor Luminous says, not yet. We're like, what? Not yet? This guy's ready to give his life to Jesus. We're like, what's going on? Well, little did we know that this was a buku, a witch doctor in the community. This is a person that his whole life had been spent basically casting spirits, um, worshiping uh, witch doctor, the voodoo, the voodoo spirits. But he was sitting here ready to go. But our pastor goes to us, there's things he needs to do to prepare himself to do this. And what he meant was, all witch doctors have is they have little trinkets, little things that they hold, little things that they put to cast spells, um, crosses, different things that they use to promote voodooism. And if you truly give your life to Christ, what you need to do is you need to burn those. You need to burn everything that represents voodoo witch doctor. That's how you give your life to Christ. And so him and another one of our leaders went back and they walked him through that and they burned all of his stuff, everything. And then he gave his life to Christ and they cleaned out his house and they got rid of everything. And Alamach came to know Jesus. And the thing about it is, is, is Alamach was there, his daughter who was also not a believer in Christ because she grew up listening to voodoo, they said to her, do you want to give your life today? And I'd love to say she says yes. And she goes, not quite yet, but we keep praying for her. And here's the thing is, so Alamach that day gave his life to Christ. And we were so thankful that he was responsive for that little period of time. We went home right away. We got a Bible, an audio Bible in Creole, in his language that he could listen to so he could access the Bible because a couple weeks later, Alamach went to be with his king. He went to be with the savior. And Alamach's testimony of a voodoo witch doctor sitting in this community, giving his life to Christ, has rippled through that community now because of what he's done. But here's the thing. How many of us are hanging on to the trinkets and trash that we put in our lives that we think give us security? That was his security. That was his livelihood. That's what he did. And he, he said, I am ready to burn all that. I am ready for a new covenant. And in obedience to what God has done, I am ready to burn all of that because I want to persevere with my God through eternity in a feast that's prepared for him. Now I hear this story too, and sometimes I go back to Jesus on the cross. You know, and there's two guys sitting on the cross that both were condemned sinners. And one basically makes fun of them and one says, Father, I see who you are, you're Jesus. And Jesus says in an instant, you will be with me in paradise. And sometimes I wonder as a 42 year follower of Christ, how can Jesus do that? Like this guy, shouldn't he have to do like more? But here's the thing, it's enough. It's enough just to know Jesus. The faith in Jesus Christ, it isn't a matter of a checklist on a box. That isn't for that. Because here's the thing is there's hurt that happens in our life when you're away from Christ. And there's hurt that happens when Christ is in it, but I can tell you there's a comforter having walked through some major things in my life. There's a comforter on the other side of this. And so many of us put our faith in this trinkets and trash, these things that we think provide us security. Where's our heart? Where's our motivation? Where's our humility? Who are we becoming? We have the opportunity today to go and celebrate communion with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.
I invite each one of us today to take the bread, to take the cup. We'll have elders here to serve. Leave it at the door. Burn your trinkets and trash. It's not gonna provide for you long-term, but there's a feast in heaven.